In today's episode, I speak with a subscriber, Adam Edwards. He shares with us his story on how he became exposed to the idea of becoming your own banker, how he implemented it, and what he's doing here a year and a half later. We had fun. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. My name is James Nethery. I'm your host. And we have, I'm excited to have Mr. Adam Edwards on as a guest today. And Adam and I have not met. Um, he's, I believe, a subscriber to our YouTube channel and has uh, made positive comments or at least comments that are not negative. And, you know, it just so happens that, that we've connected and, and I thought it would be we thought that it would be a good idea to have him on and just go through the thought process of, you know, the all-American uh, family, the thought process that they really, that all of us go through when we're first exposed to this idea of becoming your own banker, using high premium, high cash value life insurance, which is completely opposite of what we're told to do with our money. And it's almost in. Uh, counterintuitive to the way we think about money. So the full disclosure, you know, Adam is not our client. Um, he is practicing this infinite banking concept with, you know, whomever he has a relationship with. And so I thought that, you know, it was just be a good idea to hear from a, you know, quote unquote, non-client, just an all-American individual yeah. practicing the concept. So that's the setup, Adam. So, you yeah. know, Tell us who you are, share with us who you are, what you're doing, where you're at, where you're from, and you know how you were exposed to this idea of becoming your own banker, and just you know kind of walk us through that and yeah. share with us. So yeah, pretty, pretty much I'm a husband, father of four kids, uh, 38 years old. Um, kind of like my background, at least as far as uh, my thoughts on money and finance and just life in general, uh, pretty much always was brought up to, you know, want to get a good job. So to, to do that, you got to do good in school and go to college and, you know, this and that. Um, got into skilled trades at the age of 20. Um, so basically what I do is I run, run and program CNC machines for an aerospace company. I've uh, been doing that for the last 13 years. Uh, prior to that, I worked for a small automotive prototype company. So, um, so going back to that, I was kind of the one of the younger guys there at the shop. So um, I'd always listen to you know some of the older guys as far as what they do uh, with money and stuff. And obviously they had a four hundred one k program through the employer. So uh, I was always taught, hey, you should be definitely you know matching the company six uh, percent. You should at least do that. If you can do more than that, you know, go ahead and do that too. Um, so that's what I did since probably age 21, 22. So, and, you know, I put money in there for shoot, the last 15, 16 years. Uh, one of the other things that they, you know, gave me advice on was you should try to buy a house as soon as possible. You know, cause at that time I was renting a house. So, um, so it made sense to me, you know, to buy a house, at least you're building equity and you're not, you know, just paying rent to somebody and, uh, basically losing that money, you know, that money's gone. You have a place to live, but you're not making anything or building any equity. So I uh, bought my first house when I was 26. Um, Did you yeah, have so children then? Did you have children back then at age 21 and 26? Yeah, I actually had my first my first child when I was 19. So I kind of got thrust into that at an early age. Um, and then um, I have three more now. So, so yeah. So you, you started off on the path. You're you're from the north. You know, there's a lot of well, there's still some manufacturing jobs up there, right? <laughs> and uh, are you are you uh, the CNC operator yep. in the aerospace industry? Correct. Do they have government contracts? I mean, do y'all? Yeah, a lot of our contracts are with different different airline companies. Uh, we do some military stuff. Um, but yeah, essentially the company I work for is one of the largest companies internationally in the world, privately owned companies. So it's a very successful, very stable job. Uh, good, you know, health insurance, benefits, all that good stuff. And your your parents were, did they did they do that? Did they go to work, you know, for yep. a big employer with all the benefits and, 
you know, get a good education, like you yeah. said a minute ago, get a yeah, good job. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, my dad, he was in he was in the same trade, so he was a machinist. He worked for a company for uh, a couple different companies in a matter of thirty years. Um, my mom, she was a a banquet manager at a restaurant. So yeah, they both had full time jobs. Um, I'd say my dad probably worked an average of 55, 60 hours a week, you know, so he put in his time and sure. good, good provider, you know, so that's kind of my background on what I thought I, I was supposed to be doing, you know, right. after school. So yeah. you, you did it, you started off and did exactly what you were told to do and what your people were doing, right? Yeah. So, and then, I mean, if you were contributing to your 401k from the age of 19 or 21, I mean, 21, yeah, 21. Yeah. So you're a, you're a quote unquote saver, right? You yep. spend, you know, less than you make. And that's a discipline that you've obviously mastered. All right, and so you're, you're working hard, raising a family. It takes an awful lot of money to raise a family today. Sure does, man. And uh, <laughs> you know, so and I don't mean to interrupt, but keep, you're, you're yeah. going right down the path that right. you know that was laid in front of you and you're encouraged to go down. So I'm sure that all the, the um, older gentlemen in the machine shop have never even thought about paying high premium in life insurance. As a matter of fact, their eyes probably roll back in the back of their head when you mentioned the word life insurance. Oh, I'm sure, so. man. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Totally uh, different concept. So you're working hard, saving money in your, quote unquote, saving money in your 401k. And yeah, so keep going down that path, please. Yeah. So essentially, uh, I've always, like I said, I've always put in the company match, which was 6%. So I put in 6% and they match up to a hundred percent of that. So, um, it was always taught to me that, you know, that's free money. So why wouldn't you at least do that? And that at the time, you know, for many years made perfect sense to me. So that's what I did. Um, and then I actually have, uh, well, I wouldn't say have, but I had a financial advisor through Edward Jones. We became pretty good friends. So um, he kind of helped me, you know, diversify my funds and this and that. And another thing that's funny too is when I was young, you know, 21, 22, when these guys were telling me to, to start my 401k, they said, oh man, you should put 100% into aggressive funds and never even look at it and you know, over time it'll, it'll go up and down, but it'll essentially grow and grow and grow and this and that. So, but my mindset, you know, being a pretty conservative person, I just couldn't, couldn't do that. I just didn't feel right. You know, so, um, I kept a lot of my funds and like stability funds and bonds and stuff. So there wasn't a huge amount of growth, but there wasn't any losses either. So that, that was kind of what helped me sleep at night, you know, but yeah, I haven't, I put money in there for a long time, man. Um, so there's a good, good chunk of money in there. Um, I don't know if it's possible to say you can have too much money in those accounts, but, and some part of my mind thinks that, yeah, there's too much money in there because I can't do anything with it till I'm, you know, 59 and a half. So. Right. Well, you can watch it grow, right? Market only goes one way. I mean, here it is 2019. Uh, this is probably the greatest bull market in history. It's the greatest bull market in my lifetime. I'm 56, so it has to be the right. greatest bull market in your lifetime. So it's, uh, you know, only going to go up, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> I keep an eye on it, man. I, I watch it, you know, pretty regularly just to, you know, if, I figure if I do have money in there, because I don't contribute to, contribute to it anymore, but uh, I figure if I do have money in there, it's a good amount of money. I should at least try to educate myself somewhat to make it work and grow as much as I can without losing with big losses. So I, I spend a little time, you know, monitoring it, looking at the funds and stuff. But, um, you know, James, if I could pull it out and, you know, put it in, put it somewhere else, um, I would, but I just can't do it. Our employer doesn't even allow you to take uh, loans against it. I know some, some companies will allow you to take a loan against your 401k, but we're, we're not able to do that. So it's in there and it's in there to stay for now. Yeah. You know, and the plan document controls what's allowed or not allowed in it. And it has to meet the federal guidelines, you know, yeah. of 401ks. But most mid to small size employers find out very quickly when they have a 401k program with loan provisions, they find out very quickly that somebody in their office winds up 
spending an inordinate amount of time tracking the loans and the loan repayments. Oh, yeah. Um, that's very common out in the big wide world. And there's nothing wrong with IRAs, 401ks, qualified plans. They are what they are. And if you have money, wherever you have money, you should be a good steward of your money and pay attention to your assets. There's no question about that. But, well, somewhere along the way, you were exposed to this um, – you know, idea of, of, of the infinite banking concept. And, and I'm, it sounds to me like you were rocking along, you know, mm-hmm. working hard, saving money, getting a, yep. um, an employer's match. And, you know, you purchased a home, so you're building equity in the home. And, and the, the uh, most, the average all-American family most of their wealth is tied up in their primary place of residence mm-hmm. and their qualified plan. It sounds like you were, you know, tracking along. Uh, yeah, I was mas- I was mastering that for sure. You know, so, <laughs> and uh, my wife, she's uh, she's always been a saver too. So uh, we've always been really good with money. Um, you know, I've always had uh, small car loans that we would pay off pretty quickly. So we would just take we'd have a lot of money in a savings account. And whenever we needed a car, we would essentially take a lump sum out of there, put, you know, half, at least half down on a car and then finance the rest. And we ended up paying it off within a couple of years. So we've been without car payments for probably like seven or eight years, which has been nice. So, yeah, I would say, you know, in general, probably better with money than most people with that all American mindset. Um, but yeah, we, uh, uh, about a year and a half ago, we bought our second house. So we were in our first house for about 13 years. So um, we basically sold that, made a pretty good profit because at that time, the housing market was super hot where I live. So it was a good time to sell. And with four kids, we were kind of running out of room. So that'll happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it's sometimes you just got to make the plunge and get something bigger. And so we did. And so we basically sold our house, all the profit that we made put down on our new house. And then uh, I think our monthly payment increased about 700 bucks a month, which was pretty reasonable. Um, but yeah, and then essentially I kind of got into looking into paying the mortgage off sooner and kind of went down that rabbit hole, you know, through YouTube videos and stuff like that. And um, through that, that's kind of how I got familiar with the infinite banking concept. And uh, once I got my mind around that, at least as much as you, you know, it's never ending wrapping your mind around it. But once I got my mind around that enough to the point where I was like, all right, I need to start this as soon as possible and put as much money as I can into it and fund it as much as I can every year and use that as my you know, operating account. And so that's yep. kind of where I, how I got to that point. So did you start out with like a HELOC or you know, something like that from YouTube yep. to get out of, to reduce your mortgage, pay it off. Yeah, so I, did, uh, I did like tons of my own research through uh, YouTube and the internet, um, you know, paying your house off soon, just basically to save interest. Right. So right. I had my primary mortgage and then I got a second position HELOC. And essentially what I was doing is I was chunking down my principal balance on my mortgage. So I would take a huge chunk, um, and I'd put it down on the principal balance on a mortgage payment. And then through funneling all our income through that HELOC, it would pay that down and we'd do it over and over again. And, and then you get out like a mortgage calculator and you can put all those numbers in and you see how much money you're going to save in interest, you know, over the long haul. It's pretty, pretty appealing, you know, very appealing. Um, yeah. So you, you know, to me and, and we talked on our podcast, you know, several times about HELOCs and, and sometimes, you know, I don't mean to, but sometimes I can come across maybe, uh, I don't want to say negative, but not overly embracing things. And, and because I think, see your background, you have, you're, you're a saver, you're married, your wife's a saver. Um, you've got discipline and a HELOC is, I mean, it's just a financial tool, right? And you're just, strictly taking advantage of arbitrage and velocity and if you have discipline it works wonderfully um what i don't like is uh the smoke and mirrors kind of marketing or positioning of the infinite banking concept that says oh you've got to you know go get a heloc leverage your 
probably most valuable asset, your primary residence. Mm -hmm. You know, you're leveraging the equity with that in a HELOC. And then you go put all the money in a HELOC and then go buy a life insurance policy that's high cash value. And then you leverage the life insurance policy to get out of that. I, I don't I don't think that that is where you start at all. So yeah. in this, you know, episode and previous episodes, you know, I'm just kind of disclosing that um, I'm not negative on HELOCs. I'm not negative on qualified retirement plans. They are what they are. None of none of it works without discipline. Um, Absolutely. That's that's the most important thing. And, and uh, like Nelson Nash always says, you know, it's all about how you think, and that's kind of how we'll drive you in the right direction. So, I mean, and I, I love your guys' podcasts because um, you just kind of go into them and you're not trying to sell anything, and you can see that, you know what I mean? And if you're just talking about whatever, and you just kind of go with the flow. And um, but yeah, I, I've listened to all your guys' podcasts, a lot of them numerous times, and I look forward to every Friday. I think it's usually around lunchtime, you know, when I get the notification on my phone. So I get back from lunch and I was like, yeah. So I listen to tons of podcasts. I probably spend about 50 hours a week, you know, at work and at home listening to podcasts and trying to educate myself. And, you know, I say your guys is probably top three out of all the ones I listen to. I listen to quite a bit. So. Thanks. So you're sitting there running a $200,000 CNC machine listening to the podcast, huh? Is that, yeah, is, is that what's going on? It's pretty, it can get pretty loud in the shop, so you got to have headphones on or else you're going to end up being deaf by the you know time you're you know a little bit older. So it's, it yeah. kind of works out because I have to have earplugs in or headphones on. So, you know, while I'm working, you know, while I'm getting paid, I'm getting educated for free. So it's kind of a good deal. Man, that's a home run right there. Right. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. So, you're you're going down the rabbit hole of YouTube. You you decide on a second position HELOC to get out of, or to reduce your mortgage, accelerate the mortgage elimination, and then from there you discover, you know, a podcast on the infinite banking concept or becoming your own banker. Then you yep. continue down that rabbit hole, right? And it, yep. Uh, apparently, it made sense to you, but. You know, kind of take us through that. If I go get a HELOC today, let's say I go get a $100,000 HELOC, I have access to the $100,000 today, right? With it not so in life insurance, if I pay $100,000 in premium, I don't get access to 100% of that premium, right? So, you know, how, how'd you get through that yeah. thought process? Yep. So basically, uh, so I had the second lien HELOC and I was chunking down my mortgage through that. Um, and then I came across... Uh, you know, the first position HELOC. I looked into that quite a bit. It seemed a little bit, um, I was kind of leery on that because um, then you're essentially replacing your mortgage altogether, right? So you don't even have a mortgage. You just have a huge, huge HELOC um, with a huge balance. So, but the more research I did, the more that kind of made sense to me. Because um, with the second lien HELOC, you, it, it's it's only a certain amount. It's That never changes. So mine was 50 grand. So it never got above 50 grand no matter how much I paid my mortgage down because I still had that fixed mortgage payment. But with the first lien, the more you pay it down, the more access you have to your equity or whatever. So that's kind of, that seemed more appealing to me. And then um, I know you guys have mentioned a couple different um, companies, not by name, but where you were like replace your mortgage with the HELOC and you, you know, funnel all your income through it. So I ended up doing that. And then through that, I, I found out about um, infinite banking because um, one of the companies I came a client of two, they have two infinite banking practitioners um, where they had some training videos on. So that's kind of how I got exposed to, to infinite banking. And then, so it's kind of like that whole concept of um, running all your income through an open line of credit, which is essentially the same thing you can do with the, you know, infinite banking, which, you know, like I'm with you guys a hundred percent. That is the most superior, the best place to put money in and to funnel money through. I mean, it's nothing, nothing beats it. So like, I liked your compared to what video where, uh, you know, you're comparing kind of HELOCs to that and hundred percent, man. Like if you're going to, if you're going to pick one or the other, like an infinite banking policy through, you know, the specifically designed whole life insurance. I mean, there's just nothing that beats it. I mean, nothing that I've come across, you know, and I've, I mean, from, you know, take everything I say with a grain of salt, because I've only been doing this for a year, but um, 
it's it's the best place to put money and store money okay so you've been doing it for a year i you know i agree with you i think it's the best place to put money i've done it for about a little over 15 years i met nelson about 15 years ago 16 years ago um but and and i want to say earlier we try not to mention company names you know i try not to mention anything i don't you know i'm not overly promoting anything anyone i mean of course i want to self-promote you know um with taste and within reason the main thing that i want to promote is this idea that you can become your own banker um and that's what i want to promote the the work that nelson started Uh, i just want to advance that and do my part and and so that's we're having fun doing it you know um so did you have a 30-year mortgage or 15-year mortgage when you went and got the HELOC? What would you have on that? Yeah, I had a – so our, our previous house, um, before we sold it, probably about five years before we sold that, we refinanced from a 30-year to a 15-year. Um, just, you know, paying less in interest, more in principal. Um, and then when we bought our new house, we got into a 30-year again and – I just kind of like, ah, like that whole, you know, that how that's amortized in the first, you know, 10, 15, 20 years where it's just front loaded with interest has always just been something that bothers me, man. You know, and you're dumping all this money into it and it's all going to the banks and, you know, you're not, you're barely paying down, you know, your house at all. But that was my mindset at the time, you know, but um, so yeah, right now, well now before I refinanced into the first thing, yeah, I had a 30 year, 30 year mortgage. Okay, and so you've been practicing the infinite banking concept for about a year. How long have you had the HELOC? Let me say that. Um, I have the HELOC just a little bit over a year. So a lot lot has changed in a short amount of time. Sure. Yeah. And your wife is on board with you. Y'all are working together. And she's 100% on board. Um, You know, it took a little while to to get her to understand kind of how everything works, but she's, she's pretty smart and she's good with money and numbers. So once the light bulbs kind of went off in her head, she was, you know, fully on board, you know, cause we, we merge all of our money together. You know, we're, sure. we don't have separate accounts or anything like that. So. Um, sure. Well, y'all yeah. been married a long time, have four children. So she's got to trust you some. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're, we're to that point, man. So we're, we're, we're good to go. You know, things are going good. All right, so now you've been you've been paying. Uh, well, if it's a little over a year, you pay. Do you pay your premiums annually or monthly? And you don't even miss maybe too yeah, personal. Yeah, just annually. I mean. So um, the company I'm with, I'm not, I won't mention the name, but yeah, you get a you get. A, I think it's I think it's two percent discount on your paid up additions if you pay it just on your anniversary date. So that's how we do it. Okay, so you pay an annual premium. You paid the first one, and now and how did you integrate that with your HELOC? What are you doing there? Yeah, so essentially what I do, so we fun, right now we funnel all of our money through the HELOC. So we're constantly driving down that principal balance, thus reducing the interest paid, which thus creates more money to go towards that principal balance. So that's kind of like our short-term place where we store money. And then once a year, we pull from that, and then we, we pay our premium. So and we actually have two policies now. I have a big one on myself and then one on her, too. So Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we kind of look at it as like the HELOC is just, you know, an inferior short-term way to store money. But while I'm building that capital in my HELOC, I'm, you know, say I'm, I'm, it's kind of working for me. And then when my premiums do, then I pull from that and pay my premium. Okay. So do you, um, like every month, every couple of months, once a quarter or whatever, you, you know, off in your little man cave in your house and penciling numbers and going through the interest savings or you, you know, I mean, at, at first I was kind of hooked on, hooked on that. And I mean, initially when I got the, when I got the HELOC, it was that my mindset was, was cause I wanted to pay my mortgage off sooner. I've kind of like transformed a little bit from that concept as to uh, wanting to transfer my equity from there into the whole life insurance policies. So, you know, and I know you guys have talked about this a lot and I could not agree more, man. Like I'd met, I'd much rather have equity in my policy than I would in my house. So it's just a matter of, you know, that's interesting. So, you know, you're focused on, you know, if we go back in time a year, year and a half, I mean, you're focused on the interest and there's a, a an incredible amount of interest that is transferred, 
you know, to the third party lenders, especially in mortgages. So, you know, you're focused on that, getting out from underneath that payment or getting that payment, you know, done, finished, you know, mortgages to is literally to kill a payment mortgage, right? Um, Okay, so you're focused on getting out, accelerating that mortgage payoff. And over the course of a year, your thinking has even continued to evolve Mm -hmm. to where you're saying now that you don't even necessarily want to pay your mortgage off. You don't want all of the equity in your home. I love it. So, yep. I mean, like you, like I think, you, I think you, either, either you or Ryan, I don't remember who said it, but is, is it better to to have your mortgage paid off or have the ability to have your mortgage paid off? And to me, it's it's to have it's to have the ability. So my HELOC is on a 15 year draw period, and if I continue to transfer my equity from my home to my policy in 15 years, I'll have well over the amount of what my house will be worth, and you know, like. If the note gets called or whatever, I can just say, no, I don't, I don't really need you anymore, commercial bank. I'm just going to pay my house off completely, and then I'll just funnel all my money. Instead of funneling through my HELOC, I'll just funnel it through the, the life insurance policy, which that's the ultimate goal, essentially. That's you know to get to the point where I have enough money in there to where that will be where I funnel all my money. Sure. So in 15, the 16th year, if you want to pay the house off, you can. In Correct. the 17th year, the 18th year, the 20th year, the 25th year. Yeah, that's in, in uh, I think we both say it. I'm older than Ryan, so I'm going to claim I said it first, that uh, having the ability to pay your house off can be much more powerful than actually doing it. And just being in the position to have that ability to choose that's Mm -hmm. that's powerful but that's very interesting over the course of about a year that your thinking continued to change to where oh i don't want the equity in my home i want the equity in my life insurance policies that's a home run to me yeah i mean mean, and that's a thing man like you know i you know for people that listen to podcasts like i do and like i was telling you man i listen to probably about 50 hours every week. So, I mean, you know, that's a lot of information that's flowing through your brain. So I have a lot of time to think and um, think about this stuff. And, you know, for anybody that just listens to videos here and there and they get little snips of this and that, it's like, you really got to, if you really want to figure something out, especially when it's involved with, you know, moving money around and stuff, you got to do, you got to spend some time researching it and you have to, you almost have to enjoy it to an extent to be able to spend that much time on it, you know, which I do. I, I love talking about this stuff. I love thinking about it. It's, you know, it's education, man. And it's, it's counterintuitive to, you know, how I was brought up and how most people are brought up. And that's even more appealing to me with having four kids, four young kids that, you know, you know, I'm of the mindset too. Like I want to be that grandpa or great grandpa one day where, my kids don't even use commercial banks at all for anything. All right. All right. Now, <clears throat> when you first started listening to these podcasts on the infinite banking concept, um, I, and this is a question. I mean, I have yeah, sure. my uh, thinking and my opinions, but, you know, when you first started listening, you know, a year, year and a half ago, you see all of the information out there, good, bad, or indifferent. It is what it is. Um, yeah. I would think that you'd have the ability to swap left on smoke and mirror type information now yeah. as compared to a year and a half ago. And I'm, yeah. I'm saying I think that – not that I listen to a lot of podcasts on the infinite banking concept, right? Um, but I like you. That's all I do at night mm-hmm. is uh, listen to – YouTube and the things that I'm interested in, but I'm, I guess my question would be how, how, how long do you tolerate, um, topics or, or discussions on the infinite banking concept whenever you think it's like, I guess, I guess I would say, I don't know how to convey it. I would think that I, you... I, I know exactly what you're saying. Okay. And I, I know where you're getting that. For me, I, 
I don't tolerate it very long at all. And one of the biggest reasons why is because I, I didn't start out going through these different avenues from this guy, that guy. I started out with Nelson reading his book. And, you know, when I, I actually bought his uh, DVD of a, a seminar that he did. So it's like six hours of content, you know, split up in three DVDs. So I, I started there. That's where I started, which is the best place to start. I mean, that's like the foundation, right? So I didn't have to spend a lot of time or waste a lot of time, you know, hearing skewed views. And, and I know exactly what you're saying, man. There's so many videos out there and information where people are just trying to make a sale. Like they get on the, you know, their video and they try to make it, it's just marketing. You know what I mean? And I, I hate, I don't like a lot of American marketing, like commercials. It, it just rubs me the wrong way because it's based on lies and manipulation. And I'm, that's just not me. So, so I was kind of lucky. I kind of started like where everyone should start. You know, you should read becoming your own banker, read it about 50 times. Listen to any, <laughs> right. any podcast. Uh, one of the podcasts I listened to first was the Laura Murphy uh, show. Yep. So Nelson was on there a few times. So anytime I get my hands on any, anything uh, from Nelson, that's kind of where you, that's where I would tell anyone to go to first. Start with that. No, I agree. Most people won't buy that or don't buy. Maybe they don't know that you can go to infinitebanking.org in their store, and that's Nelson's original site, um, and buy his 10-hour seminar. Well, I guess yeah. it's down to six hours now, where Nelson is literally, before Nelson quit traveling, I believe it was about 2017. Prior to that, he traveled, Nelson Nash traveled all over the country, hosted by you know practitioners all over the country, and he presented a 10-hour seminar. And typically it was done over two days, two hours one night, six hours the next day. Um, and then, you know, he did do them in one day uh, time frames as well. And it was basically eight to ten hours of seminar. And that, his seminar is available yeah. at infinitebanking.org, and that's what you purchased. Yeah. Right? That, and, I mean, that, that to me is, is pure gold, man. I mean – it takes some time to, to listen to it. I mean, you got, you know, I think it's six hours. I think there's three DVDs and they're each about two hours a piece, but that's another thing. You got to, you got to spend the time to, to look into it and to listen to that stuff or, or read his book. Like I'm more of a, I don't mind reading books, but I'm more of like a visual, like I like to watch videos or audio type person, sure. you know, however you are, if you're a book guy, like read that book like over and over again. And you know, that's kind what? of what, you know, actually both, you know, can work. I mean, and we all have yeah. limited amount of time anyway to read. But, you know, Nelson, when he spoke, when he went through a seminar, he was going through his book, right? The, the yeah, additional exactly. information that you would get would be, you know, side anecdotes and stories, which were just yep. priceless when he was speaking. But I completely agree. I mean, that would shortcut everyone's <laughs> learning timeline yeah. if you would go purchase his 10-hour seminar or six-hour seminar however long it is on right. video and man you talk about you go into these real estate websites and it's all about investing and, and getting a coach a financial coach and which is all good i think we all need coaches i um, mean we all are going to pay for our education I don't care how you you're either you're going to pay for your education one way or the other and that would shortcut everyone's learning curve if they would purchase that dvd set so good for you i'm glad that you did that well and that would give you the ability to to uh you know separate the wheat from the shaft right off the bat i mean you listen to nelson then you go into youtube and it's like oh my gosh your eyes would roll back in the back of your head yeah, there was a couple, uh, like I won't mention YouTube pages or whatever, but there was, I think there was one page where there was a guy who was interviewing some guy um, who had claimed that he had had some better product than like, you know, <laughs> the, the mutually owned company, the whole life insurance companies. And uh, he had made the statement that, uh, that he personally had trained, you know, all the, like thousands of 
Nelson's IBC practitioners and this and that. And I like called him out on it. And I'm like, <laughs> like I, I'll, I'll be willing to bet that you did not do that. And if you did, I'd like to hear the details of it. But there was never a response to that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've I've uh, been in the financial world for about 28 years. And, uh, and I'm only saying that to say this. Um, probably about 10, this 2019, eight, nine, 10 years ago, um, we used to, in my office, my practice, me, we would go out and present and talk at a lot of different venues. Um, and some of them happened to be in the real estate, right? There'd be real estate conventions. And, and I met a guy there one time and, you know, and we'd have a booth and we would speak there and there, all these other people would have booths and different products. And, you know, we were selling books and, and talking, right? Yeah. Um, this one guy, he's like, Oh, well, what are you doing, James? And I'm like, ah, you know, we're just selling books. And he goes, oh, what you selling? And, uh, you know, and I showed him and told him what it was. And he was talking, too. You know, I don't yeah. remember what he was talking about. But uh, he, he said, oh, yeah, I know all about that. He said, I met Nelson. I took him all over the state that he lived in, this <laughs> gentleman lived in. You know, about seven or eight years ago, I took him all over the state. And uh, I pulled my cell phone out because I thought he was BSing. And I'm right. like, well, let, let's call him. You'd probably like to talk to him. You know, I got Nelson's, you know, phone on speed dial here. And right. uh, he quickly had to go do something else. You know, he's, yeah. oh, I got to go do this. So, yeah. you know, that's pretty prominent out there. If you have a life insurance license, you automatically know all about life insurance. And you're an IBC expert. And, mm -hmm. you know, God bless him. Yeah. But that's another it, thing that bothers me, too, James, is a lot of these people out here you know they're kind of like trying to rebrand it and recreate it and they're you know yeah. they're not giving him credit at all and that just kind of rubs me the wrong way too it's like you wouldn't even know anything about this if it wasn't for nelson so how can you not you know what i mean and yes i, you, I do i mean you knew him personally it's like i never i never knew him personally but i've yeah. i know what kind of person he was like i'm a christian i know he was a christian and yeah he was a man of integrity and character and this and that. And, you Unbelievable. Know. You know, I use this word very little ab about men, but Nelson yeah. Nash was a righteous man. Yeah. I you don't know. doubt that for one second, man. Yeah. You can tell. I mean, I've spent hours watching him talk and the way he talks and the way, you know, I, you can tell. Yeah, you, you can tell. But I think that, you know, if they, if, if someone would go to infinitebanking.org and buy his seminar on video, that would so shorten the learning curve. Yeah. And then you would, you would be fully and not, you should read his book too. I mean, that shouldn't replace his book. Even if you don't like to read, it's 92 pages, big print, lots yeah. of illustrations. It's an easy read. And I find Adam, um, a lot of people jump smooth over the concept in Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, because it's such an easy read. Yeah. Um, so I'm just saying that you should buy the book, Becoming Your Own Banker. You should buy a second book, Building Your Warehouse of Wealth, and you should buy the uh, DVD series if you really want to learn about and vet the infinite banking concept. Um, if you have that foundation, I mean, you – you're golden, you know? Yeah, that's so. that's where you should start. I know you guys have said that a lot. There's a few other guys, too, that I've listened to that have said that, too. So, I mean, that's no question. That's that's the place to start. So, and I just just the name of his book, Becoming Your Own Banker, like just thinking about that and, you know, even to understand how to become your own banker, you have to understand how banks work. That's a huge part of, you know, my education is finding out how banks work, you know, in this aspect and that aspect, how they make money and, uh, you know, how the federal reserve works, all this stuff like has been so eye opening to me, which I had no clue prior to this. I had no idea how any of that stuff worked, you know, right. So, it's eye opening, you know, it's eye opening. It kind of just blows your mind. And then, um, one of the things Nelson always talked about was you have to think like a banker. So, if you don't know how banks work, you don't know how bankers work, like you can't even think like a banker. So the whole concept of thinking like you have to think like you're the bank owner, you're the depositor, you are the person that's giving out loans and taking loans. Like you are all of that in one and you're the one that's in like control of all that. And it's kind of just like, you know what I mean? When you, when you understand that, it kind of just 
your brain gets rebooted, man, and you you'll never go back to how you you know moved money around or used money again. All right. No, I agree. You want to be the the banker. You want to be the borrower. And it's easy to say, oh, well, I want to be the banker. Well, you want to be the banker and the bank owner. You know, the banker yeah, is just right. a gopher. The You know, God bless them. They're just lenders. They're just selling loans. They're getting paid salaries and commissions selling loans. Right. And, and we all need access to money. I'm not disparaging the local banker at all. Yep. But yeah. the bank owner's making all the profits. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean. Those, and, those profits are, are ridiculous, man. When you, you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but when you understand how, you know, fractional reserve banking works, how, you know, you deposit money into a bank, say you deposit a hundred bucks, they have access to loan out 10 times that. And, you know, say, let's be conservative and say they're giving you 1% on your money, right? And they're loaning it out at 2%. That's not 1%, that's 100%. That's turning $1 into $2. Like, those are the kind of profits that banks make, you know what I mean? It, it, yeah, I agree. Look, <laughs> if the... Uh it's really, it's more than that, you know, because it's infinite. Yeah, right. If I'm lending money that didn't exist, and Nelson used to say banks lend money that doesn't exist, and that is evil, yep. and it is, well, he's being a gentleman, right? They're charging interest on money that didn't exist until you signed your John Henry on the right. contract, the loan documents, yeah, and I get it, they're just creating digits, not necessarily printing paper money. But then you, when you sign that, you're fully collateralizing that loan. Yeah. Not only with current assets that are undervalued. If, if I'm going to go borrow $100,000 from the banker, he's going to want 1.25 or 1.5 in collateral. He's not going right. to loan me $100,000 on $100,000 collateral. Right. So, and now he's charging interest on the money that didn't exist. It's beyond evil. It's nuts, you know, man. <laughs> it, is, it is what it is, but that's a construct that we're all born into, and until we figure out you know, what's really going on, we don't know any different, so we're just doing what everybody else is doing and what we're told to do, which is work hard, save some money, save your money in an IRA or 401K, get a tax deduction today. And if mm -hmm. you think that through, it's like, wait a minute got a, over 100 years of tax history the tax brackets move the deductions exemptions carry over all those things change but the net amount of dollars that we pay out in taxes continue to go up it's like yeah somebody's making a lot of money on that whole construct and it's not us yeah and that's the so. thing too man when you know when a lot of these guys in my old shop are promoting you know put put the match in put the company match in it's pre-tax money like no one ever talks about like how much you're going to have to pay in taxes when you start withdrawing it and the limited amount of time that you have to withdraw it and you know, where they're, they're going to get their money, man. Like, you know, and that whole, I think Nelson said too, you know, would you rather be taxed on the seed or the harvest? That really kind of hit me, you know, thinking about that. It's like, no, I'd, I'd rather pay taxes on a small amount than a big amount, you know? So yeah. they're going to get their money either way. I mean, it's not their money, if you ask me, but they're going to get that money from you. It's your money. You know, I don't even, uh, just the whole, you know, income tax in and of itself is just, you know. What It'll they take use that you off if you, yeah. You know, what they use that money for is not what they're supposed to use it for. And people don't, that doesn't seem to bother people or they just don't know about it. Or that's probably, you know, that's probably what it is. People just don't know. Yeah, we're just out here working hard, keeping our head down so we can take care of ourselves and our family. You know, don't look up. Yeah. Right? Don't look up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, uh, I was talking to a gentleman a couple of weeks ago. And I'm just bringing this up in the qualified plans. You know, you get around to real estate and, you know, the solo 401ks have been big for a couple of years, you know, self-directed IRAs and things like that. And self-directed Roth IRAs are better. I get it. Um, the gentleman has like several million dollars in um, a self-directed IRA. Well, it all sounds really good, right, until you get into, oh, you're 59 and a half and you know, there's not really a problem there. Oh, you get 70 and a half and you have to start taking withdrawals, required minimum distributions. Now, let's think about that. If I have a million dollars in real estate and a self-directed IRA, I'm sure that's going to cash flow an awful lot or he probably wouldn't do it. 
but um, now I got to start taking out roughly about 4%. And it's not a percentage that you have to withdraw, but it's based on your life expectancy. It starts out ballpark at about 4%. Well, if I have a million dollars in there, I mean, I've got to withdraw 40,000 a year. It's not that big a deal, right? As long as all the properties are cash flowing. But now every year that gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, um, it's, it's set up for a reason, man. Like, there's a reason why <laughs> it's set up that way, you know? Just got to think about it. But, yeah, it's, yeah, that's why, I mean, you know, putting as much money as you can in these whole life insurance policies. And when you understand... And like I said, take anyone who's listening to this, take what I say with a grain of salt because I'm I would consider myself a newbie on it, but I do understand a lot of how the policies work and how you know you loan against it. So your money's in there. You're never interrupting the the compound growth of your money, which is that that in of itself was a kind of a, a big pull for me too. It's like, okay, I can have money in here and I can borrow against it, kind of just like if you borrow against your house that money is going to continue to grow, right? So that was something that really stuck out to me in the beginning, which yeah. now I fully understand. But you know, the fact that you can put money in there and then say, you know, say you just want to put money in there, watch it grow for retirement, you can do that. I mean, you can pull your all the money that you put in, like your basis, you can pull all that out through withdrawals if you want and not pay taxes on that. And then from my understanding after that, to avoid paying taxes, you can just take policy loans out and you can deplete your whole death benefit to some extent if you wanted to, you know, I mean, I may have worded that wrong, but you know what I'm no, saying? No, you can do that. I mean, I, yeah. you can, you can absolutely do that. And I think that that's kind of a missing topic the missing in the big wide world of social media is loan management. You know, it's pretty uh, I don't want to say easy, but it's simpler to, you know, talk about managing loans when you're getting out of debt, you know, you're just flowing money through a policy, just like a HELOC or whatever. Um, but when you get into retirement or passive income time, you can take loans against your cash values. You just have to manage that outstanding loan. Cause if you don't, um, and that loan out compounds the cash value, you're going to have a train wreck. Right. And, uh, that's important. So if you're if you're practicing the infinite banking concept and you're putting high premium your money into life insurance policies, you need to master the loans, um, and you need to understand what happens to those loans over time. You do not want to be in a position where you're 80 years old and you have you know a million dollars in outstanding loans and the policy collapses because you didn't manage your loan or you didn't pay a premium or a combination of that. And all of a sudden you have a $900,000 tax bill. Yeah, that could right. be a real problem. Um, yeah. But so I, I just think that there's some missing, you know, information out there or that's a missing topic, you know, that yeah. needs to be vetted yeah. or considered. All right. So look, you, you, um, you did the 30-year mortgage, you moved up in your home, uh, size, you know, with your family and all, and then you, you did the HELOC, you discovered the infinite banking concept, um, you and your wife are on board, you're together, y'all are Christians, y'all are working together, um, you, you're, you're thinking changed somewhat as to, I don't want to have the equity in the real estate, my home, I want to have the equity into life insurance. How else has your thinking changed going through this whole process? Yeah. So actually, uh, so I basically, I, I kind of was getting interested in real estate, um, as far as buy and hold investments. So, uh, that's another huge move that I made too. Uh, I found a a small multifamily unit home that was kind of in somewhat disarray. Um, and I actually purchased that um, with equity from my primary home. So I tra you know, transferred equity from one home to the other. And uh, for the last just month and a half or so, I've been fixing that house up and it's getting close to being to the point where uh, what I'll do is uh, it's a three unit home. So, I'll essentially pull up, I'll put it into, because the house is paid for now, but I'll put it into a mortgage or a HELOC, whatever, I haven't decided yet, but 
cash out refinance and I'll pull all that money back out. And then I'm actually considering taking that lump sum of money and maybe starting another policy. I'm not quite sure if I'm going to do that because my other policies won't be able, I won't be able to put all that money into those other policies because they're already being fully funded or whatever. Right. So, so rather than taking that money and putting it back onto my primary home, I'm considering keeping my, um, you know, no, you know, the minimum amount of equity in my primary home and starting another policy and basically putting in a huge amount in that first year and then lowering what I would be funding it for the years after that. So, and then at the same time I'm having, you know, uh, three tenants basically help me to build that capital, you know, you're giving three people a place to live. They don't have to sleep in the rain. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, so we're uh, yeah. we're spending a lot of time, you know, fixing the place up real nice. Um, new roof, gutters, new furnaces. Just did some painting today, you know. And I I have the right people, so I got a good crew of guys that I've known for a long time. But that whole concept of uh, you're just putting your money to work, man. Like, you know, putting it to work and have people have given people a place to live and collecting rent and giving them, you know. A good property. A lot of people don't want to buy houses right now, especially they're concerned sure. about the economy or whatever. They would just rather rent. So um, I can provide that service for them, and then you know they can kind of help me out too with what I'm trying to do. So right. well, have um, you always wanted to go into real estate, or is that just a continuation? Yeah, it's of, always okay. been a it's always been a thought in my mind. Um, actually, my first house that I bought um, when I bought it, my brother and one of our other good friends lived with me. So they were paying me rent. So they were actually servicing half of my mortgage payment for me for two years before me and my wife got married. So that kind of, during that process, I was like, man, there's something, there's definitely something to this, you know, <laughs> I like this so, real estate. Huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, but you know, like you said, it's like, you know, real estate market is up and down. It's unpredictable. I mean, con you know, consistently it's going to go up down, but consistently it should go up, but I don't know that for sure. So that's getting back to that whole concept of not having too much equity in real estate. You should have it into an asset, you know, a paper asset that's not going to possibly burn down or whatever. You don't, you know, you never know what's going to happen with a house. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. And I'd rather have money in that asset that's continually growing. It's not going down at all in growth. It's just going up, right? And there's, it's just the best place to put money, man. Right. There's no, there's no other place that I know of that, you know, you can get that guaranteed growth and it's just going to keep going up and up and up. So why wouldn't you want to put all your money into there? Well, cause you don't know, or you haven't vetted, you don't know because <laughs> you haven't vetted, you know, you don't know cause you haven't been exposed to it. Um, that's, that's all it comes down to, man. You have to, you have to want to know about it. You can't just, you know, have somebody tell you and, it's just as simple as that, you know, like Nelson always says, it's caught, not taught. That's yep. so true. Man. You have to be seeking it. You have to, uh, you know, it's just kind of like Jesus when he was, you know, doing, uh, preaching to people and it was all through like parables and hidden message. He was trying to find those people who were seeking him. And by doing that, like that's how he was able to find those people. So it's kind of that same same thing. You have to want it and you have to seek it. And if you can continue to seek it, uh, everything will start coming together and then you'll know exactly what to do. Yeah, I agree. If you have ears to hear, you can hear. Yeah. So, um, okay. So it's when you first started, you know, you kind of penciled it. You've gone past that. It's working as good or better than you expected. And so now you're going out into multifamily properties. You're still accelerating your home mortgage pay down, but you're kind of going through the thought process of, or already have gone through the thought process of maybe that's not the best place to put equity. Um, yep. So it's really, it, your, your thinking has continued to expand, hadn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't want to put it's words in your everyday, mouth, but it sounds like it's it. an everyday thing, man. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, um, I haven't arrived, right? <laughs> you shouldn't <laughs> right. ever feel like you've arrived. You know, doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, that's you know, Nelson would he would he would say that even in his eighties. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, that's how we should be until we die. I mean, you should always be willing to learn and to expand your mind and 
and help other people do that too. So, I mean, that's, you know, I love t- talking to people about this stuff too and kind of like getting their mind rolling. You know what I mean? Like yep. it's something that I thoroughly enjoyed doing. And, uh, you know, I don't know who knows some that someday down the road, I might pursue that as something that I'd, you know, want to do as, you know, somewhat of a profession or start my own thing. I don't know. It's definitely a possibility. So. Yeah. Well, that's pretty common too. A lot of practitioners get started from, you know, being a client and then they just want to share and help others, people that they know. I mean, we're all capitalists. The agents and advisors are profitable, not saying that it's all benevolent, you know, Um, but you get paid to, to operate that CNC machine too, don't you? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's all about, uh, you know, if you can do something that you're passionate about and I, I love my job, man. My job is, for my skilled trade, it, it doesn't get much better than what it is. The, the place that we work for, the facility is super nice, super clean. Um, you know, no one's on your back all day, you know, trying to be- beat you down to get stuff done. You kind of work at your own pace and it's a great place to work. So, now Listen, um, I, I want you to do a good job. If I'm flying on a plane and you're making parts, <laughs> please pay attention. Do a yeah, good job. Man, you know, it, <laughs> it's like all the, all, all the parts that I work on are landing gear parts, so it's kind of important, man. You want to make uh, sure those those landing gears come down when you're getting ready to land. So. Yeah, two most important parts of a flight, right? One takeoff, yeah. one landing. <laughs> you know, right, man. So, <laughs> all right. So you you um, I like I like that you said and you shared that you purchased Nelson's. Uh, seminar on DVD. Yeah. And then you've read his book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Have you read his second book, Building Your Warehouse of Wealth? No, I keep thinking about that. I need to buy that and pick it up and, and read through it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that book? Is it, uh, I think it should be required reading. Yeah. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to share my thoughts in print in the front of that book with, with other agents and advisors. And I yeah. think, I think that's important. I think, too nelson never did it i encouraged him to do it but he didn't um he wrote quite a few essays one of the essays is in that book um out of egypt onto babylon um but i think that that should be required reading i think that how privatized banking really works with carlos lair and bob murphy should be required reading and then you know a selfless promotion here the banking with life dvd i think that people should watch that yeah that's one that i've been think considering checking out too so yeah, well, when you check it out let me know your thoughts on that um yeah but i think with the the seminar on video those three books and the banking with life dvd i think you have the foundation that you need to um know whether you would want to participate for yourself and your family in the infinite banking concept and yeah absolutely man i mean the the book like you said earlier it's not like like i'm not much of a reader but it's not i think i read that in like six hours one night you know and i was i was reading pretty quick but it's not that hard to read through that and it's not that hard to understand either Um, yeah with the, the video seminar that's for me personally that you know, that really kind of made a lot of light bulbs go off. And, you know, I, I've watched it numerous times too. And it's still kind of like, man, every time I watch it, it's, I see something that I didn't see. And I know you guys talk about it all, all the time and Nelson too, you know, you always read something two or three times, you're going to see something you didn't see before. And, you know, as your mind expands from, you know, point A to point B, when you read something at point B, when you read it at point A, it's going to, means something else for you it's going to actually be more clear you know so sure i've definitely experienced that man for sure yeah i'll put that in the the links in the bottom of this video to that to nelson seminar because i think that's that's important um all right well what else would you like to share with us if uh if we wrap this up here in the next few minutes yeah yeah i would say just kind of what I said earlier, I mean, if you really want to find out if this stuff is legit, you just got to spend the time and, and go through those avenues that we just kind of spoke of. I think if you, if you start there, uh, that's the best place to start. If you get kind of lost in, you know, this YouTube video or that YouTube video, or, you know, you're going to get 
you're going to get confused because there's a lot of contradicting thoughts and theories out there. So if you start with the person who created the concept, that's probably the best place to start. You know what I mean? And if you listen to guys like yourself or other, you know, you can contact, uh, I think there's like a finders list for, you know, qualified IBC practitioners around the country. Like you can, you can call these people and talk to them. You know what I mean? And, yeah. You know, I, my my practitioner, he's a very well educated and he's great to work with. You know, I can call him, set up at a meeting, you know, through email and he'll, we can set up a call for an hour, hour and a half. And he's, any questions you have, man, let's talk. And we just talk and it's, you know, it's great. So I'm sure you're probably the same way. And that's the way it should be, man. You're building relationships with these people long term, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, and you guys are professionally trained, so. You know, that's who you want to go through, man. You don't want to go through Joe Schmo, who's, you know, created his own, you know, infinite banking, this, that, or whatever. Like, don't don't waste your time doing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the uh, – and, and I got to say that, you know, that's all I do, daylight to dark, is talk to cool people. Right. And they really are cool. Um, the, the foundation, though, would be Nelson's book, you know, a seminar, and then his second book, building your warehouse of wealth, how privatized banking really works. And I'll put all this in the notes, but um, banking with live DVD and that, that really will give you the foundation to determine if you want to do it and where you should go. And, and it would also help you any, all of us. We read this, we watch this Nelson's work. It will, I mean, we'll be able to separate the wheat from the shaft in a heartbeat in Absolutely. a heartbeat. So yeah, that's what you want to do. You want to be at that point. You don't want to have to waste time. I mean, you can waste a lot of time, man. You know, listening to people that have wrong information, and sadly, you know, those people can skew your view to the point where you're turned off by it. And you never do it, and you miss out on, you know, the best place to put money. I mean, yeah, that's a good point. I always say that, man. I can waste my own time professionally i don't need any help you know <laughs> I, mean, I can waste a lot of time all right adam so what else young man i've enjoyed our conversation um i think yeah. it's helpful i hope the listener finds it helpful no hidden agendas just promoting the idea that yeah. you can become your own banker and and really there's a, a path to shorten your learning curve um yeah. if you would like to take advantage of that. So, yeah, one thing I would say to people too is, is learn how banks work. Like, spend some time, you know, researching on how, you know, the commercial banking system works, how the Federal Reserve works. And once you get your mind around that and you can understand how, you know, banks make money because they are always using other people's money, they're not using their own money, and also figure out where they have their own money. And, uh, you know, if if you figure out where they have their own money, maybe you should put most of your money there. And, uh, you know, so, you know, we we can talk about that or people can just do their own research and find that stuff out. But, you know, I'll tell you what, my friend Barry Dyke has written several books, you know, the powers of Manhattan, guaranteed income, powers of Manhattan, too. And I think we just released a podcast or an episode. Yeah, I, I list that was uh, so today's Saturday, December seventh. So the podcast with him came out last Friday, so just over a week ago. Uh, those yeah, books, I listened, I listened to that probably three times this week. Did those, you really? Oh yeah, I listened to a lot of your guys' podcasts multiple times. Wow, so, that's I think cool. Ryan, I think Ryan said, "Don't knock repetition." So there you yeah, go. yeah. <laughs> Barry documents um, in detail how much whole life insurance the yeah. banks own. It's called bank on life insurance, Bowley. And yeah. I tell you what, it's very eye-opening. And Barry Doc's a, an incredible researcher. He, his books have 10, 12, and 14 pages of you know footnotes. Um, yeah. It's highly documented. But... Yeah, okay. that, was, uh, yeah. that was pretty mind mind blowing. Listen to him talk. I mean, you can tell. Listen to that guy talk. He he does do his research, man. <laughs> yeah. Nelson called him the modern day Eustace Mullins. Are you familiar okay. with Eustace yeah. Mullins? 
Nope, not familiar with that. Yeah, Eustace Mullins is. He wrote the uh, Secrets of the Federal Reserve in 1952. Oh wow! So, anyway, and he was a great researcher. Of course, he was sidelined. Um, anyway, Eustace Mullins is worth looking at. Look, you know, researching, worth reading. Um, anyway, okay, Adam. So, do your homework. Get started yep. with some practitioners that that um, are affiliated with the Nelson Nash Institute. Yes, and then do your homework, pencil the numbers, and then get to it. Right, get yeah, get, get to, to putting your money. The sooner, the sooner the better, but you know, make sure you know what you're doing before you, you know, make any kind of big money moves. That's my thinking. I mean, this whole real estate deal that I just did. You know, I spent months just researching and doing numbers and this and that. And I have a couple of real close friends that have multiple units and are very successful. So I've, you know, thrown a lot of ideas off of them, but yeah, just like anything, if you're, if you're going to make a big money move, like obviously you want to know if you're a conservative person like me with money, which I am like you, you're going to spend the time doing the research to get to the point where you're like, you know what you're doing. So right. don't do anything unless you know what you're doing. Plenty of time, but none to waste. All right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Adam, thank you very much for coming on and chatting. I've enjoyed it, like I said earlier, thoroughly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, keep in touch. Appreciate your positive comments on the channel. Keep and, up uh, the good work, man. I'll, uh, I'll stay tuned every week. So. All right. Thanks. Have a great day. Great weekend. Okay. Amen. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Otherwise, find us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to join us weekly.